see you this morning. So glad to see a um, broader spectrum of us this morning. Hope everybody's doing well, feeling well, staying well. That's what we want to be. It is a great day. You know, I just want you to notice something that the last two or three weeks, one of my grandsons, Micaiah, has been sitting in the booth with Josh back here. And since he's been back there, we haven't had any glitches. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying that anybody's at fault, I'm just saying. I'm so glad we have today, and I hope you are too. As we move forward, things are moving, and I am so glad to see them moving, hopefully in a very positive direction. Appreciate the prayers that have been, been mentioned, appreciate Kyle's remarks and his prayers for the Lord's Supper, and, and Jim for leading our singing. As we move onward, I want us to think together, and for the next few weeks, I want to center on the 8th chapter of Romans, truly one of the highlight chapters in all the Bible, one of the most personally challenging, encouraging, uplifting passages you're going to find in the pages of the Bible. I know it doesn't stand alone. I know it's a part of a greater context and a greater complex, and I know it finds its place in the midst of the scriptures and the way it does, but it tells us so much about God and about ourselves. I think it's worth our time to spend a few weeks looking solely at that chapter. When I say solely, I mean that's going to be the heartbeat of what we have to say for a few weeks. So I want you to think on that. And if you have time during the weeks, read again and again Romans chapter 8. Several years ago, I heard Richard Rogers speak, and he said he believed every Christian ought to read Romans chapter 8 every week. I don't know, we could read it every day for that matter, but it is one of those great passages, and so we're going to look at it for a little while in here. I want us to think about the first 11 verses, and I'm not going to read them all to you, just want to read the first verse this morning, but really centering on the thoughts that are contained within those first 11 verses in this great chapter, but they are concisely brought together in that first verse, where Paul writes there, in that, in that verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who do not walk according, who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And let me say up front, according to what God has given us is what he's saying. Let's think about that. As we think about those first seven chapters of that great book, there's a lot contained within there about, uh, it might be considered a, a reminder course and what God has done for us and how he's led us to this point, what he did with Israel, what he's done with the law and all the things that bring it up to this very point in life. And then he turns in now. But he's led us in this direction. He had emphasized the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, and the things that are, that are there and how they had their place in this development. And then he points directly at the nature of how we are to live our lives. There's some of that contained within the first seven chapters, but especially from this point on in this book and especially in this chapter, he says, you need to live your life according to God. And that's what it says, according to the Spirit right here. So I call this God gave us a walk to walk. God gave us a walk to walk. 
So we need to walk that walk, and we need to walk it understanding that walk and knowing what that walk is. We need to walk it as if it is important, as if our lives depended on it, and as if other lives depend upon it. Let me tell you about an, an old partially true legend about Daniel Boone. Because I say partially true because there is some historical truth to it, but as in many stories of people like Daniel Boone, the legend kind of outgrew the, the truth of the story in a way. But the story is that he had been captured by the Indian tribe, and there is a complexity that is involved in that, and ultimately they did not kill him, but they kept him among themselves as captive. Ultimately, he, he found himself making himself comfortable there, pretending and acting as if he was one of them. He spent some time with them, acting as one of them, and then he learned of their plans and their attack, their plan to attack Boonesboro against the settlement that he had established, a bit against the people that he had left there, including his own immediate family. And so he took the occasion, once gaining their trust, to slip away from them. And he left at night and he took off. And he knew he had to, once he was, it was discovered he was gone, they would know what he was up to. He knew he had to, with all haste, make his way back to the settlement. He knew he couldn't stop. He couldn't lay down and rest. But he had to keep going. Most of the way, he trotted or he jogged along the way. He hurried himself as much as he could over hill and valley, recognizing he didn't have paved ways. He didn't have great trails to follow, but he made his way, and as he traversed it, this trail, he uh, traversed his trail, he occasionally felt so weary he was going to have to just stop, but then he said, I cannot stop, I cannot stop, I cannot stop. Ultimately, he made his way back to the settlement, and there he collapsed, but he was there far enough ahead of the attack that they were able to prepare and repel the attack that came their way. Now, all the things that went into that, I can't really tell you. I wasn't there as much as old as I might be. I wasn't there with them. I don't know, but I'm just taking the small amount of history and the legend that goes with it. And I tell you that story because sometimes we need to really look at our walk. We need to consider it very carefully. We need to consider the purpose of what we're doing and why it is important for us to walk as we walk and keep that in mind, and that keeps us moving onward. Kind of like the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us, let us run with perseverance. Because when we talk about walk, we're not talking about a stroll. We're not talking about what our feet are doing as much as we are talking about the direction and the actions of our lives. That's what we're talking about here. And so some of the most powerful and dramatic admonitions are pressed on us in this great book and in this great chapter. So I want you to get something in mind. And this is where, where we begin with this in a way is it makes a difference how you walk. In other words, it makes a difference the way, the direction, who you're following, all the things that go into that. It makes a difference where you're walking, how you're walking, how you're conducting yourself in your life. Because we're not talking about just a walk. We're talking about the conduct, the content, the character, the direction of our lives. And sometimes we're pretty good at claiming but as the old adage says, if you're going to talk the talk, you better learn to walk the walk. Be 
because talk is cheap. You've heard that before, haven't you? It's easy to throw out the words. It's easy to say some of the most powerful words out there. It's easy to say, I'm sorry, and not mean it. It's easy to say, I love you, and not do it. And so if we're going to talk the talk, we better learn to walk the walk. That means our conduct is going to be according to the situation we find ourselves in our lives as God would have it be. Remember Moses, here's this, here's this shepherd, here's this shepherd, this 40-year shepherd has been out in the wilderness with his sheep for 40 years, actually his father-in-law's sheep, I guess. But he's been there tending to sheep, and you can imagine how he's lived his life in that way for 40 years. I know the first 40 were back in Egypt, and he learned a lot of things there. But for 40 years, he's in there, and he stops along the way when he sees this burning sensation on the mountain, and he wonders about it. And enough time passes that it doesn't dissipate, the fire doesn't go away, until he has to go and check it out. So he goes to the mountain, and as he nears, as he nears the place of the burning as he nears that fire, as he nears that bush that seems to be in flame but not being consumed, a voice calls out to him. Consider for a moment being in Moses' shoes. And you walk up to a, a burning bush and a voice calls out to you. A voice you've not heard before, a voice that has not spoken to you in such a way before, a voice that has not, been, and there's no other human being there, but the voice calls out to you, and he knows it's supernatural, and the voice says to him, take off your shoes, for you are on holy ground. There is a conduct, there is a walk, there is a presentation of self that is important that's there. It's different than when you're out with the sheep. It's different than when you're back home with the family. It's different when you're climbing up the mountain. It is different than that because you, you are in the presence of God. You're presenting yourself to God and with God. And he realizes that and the shoes are removed. And I think we understand that because we tend to conduct ourselves with an etiquette of rules where we are. And I know those things change over time in our society and in our culture, but we recognize that we conduct ourselves according to the rules. You still don't go into a library and shout. You still go into a library because people are there reading. And you conduct yourself quietly. There's a conduct when we come inside a building in an assembly like this that's different than when we go and attend a football game or a basketball game or something like that, if you can remember what that's like. And maybe we will again. But it's different. And so we need to walk the walk. Even if we can talk the talk, we need to still walk the walk. You may remember the name Cassius Clay or more readily remember Muhammad Ali. He was a big talker. You remember that? He was a big talker. If you don't, go on YouTube and listen to some of his things and recognize he was a big talker. And he would brag and he would talk and he had his poetry and he would share it. And we, we often remember, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. But he had, he'd always have some little poem, some little quip, some little something that he would throw out there. And he would tell how he was going to overpower his opponent when he got into the boxing ring. And he would tell those things. And he was a big braggart about those things. It's not unusual in that sport, I guess. But he was a big braggart and a big blowhard, and you can still hear his somewhat high-pitched voice as he would present it, and it was always fun to listen to him. But you know what? 
you knew that when he stepped into the boxing ring, he was going to put on a show. It was going to be there. He was going to step up and do something. You were going to notice it. It was going to be there. You knew he would show up. He wasn't just talking. He was going to act. You knew he wasn't just a blowhard. He was going to do to the best of his ability what he said he was going to do. So if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. And you know, this is not something foreign to us. It's a part of our culture and our society. It's been a part of so many things that we have about how we, we carry on and how we walk the walk of our lives. Think about some of the songs. Yeah, that will surprise you that I would turn back to music and thinking about this. But think about some of the songs over the years. And I'll just give you a few. Go consider the song by the Four Seasons, Walk Like a Man. I'm not going to sing it for you, thankfully. Or Johnny Cash and I'll Walk the Line. I'm definitely not going to sing that one. Or Nancy Sinatra, These Boots Are Made for Walking. Even the little girls know that one today. And then the group was, not was, Walk the Dinosaur. I just had to throw that one in just for fun. Or more, more recently, The Proclaimers, several years ago, I'm going to be. 500 miles, I walk 500 miles, catchy songs, catchy songs. There are a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. You could go down a list, find a whole lot of them that are about walking, about conveying yourself. Those are just some of them that came to my mind rather quickly. But, you know, it's not just in secular music, is it? It's not just in our cultural society. It's also in our concept of spirituality. Think about one of the old favorite songs. We don't sing it nearly as much anymore, but one of those old favorite songs, When We Walk With The Lord, we call it Trust and Obey. But it begins, When We Walk With The Lord, In The Light Of His Word, we sing that. Or Walking In Sun sunlight or one that the young people brought in several years ago step by step that we still sing or the much calmer walking alone at eve there are a lot of songs about how we conduct our lives with the terms and the the ideology of walking tied into it so it's not something that's foreign to us we understand the concept we kind of understand what paul is saying here because he here, and as he writes to the church in Corinth, the 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. He's not just talking about the steps we take. He's talking about how we live our lives is done by faith and not by sight, not by physical sight. Maybe we can draw up some images of old. We might think about somebody like a, a Daniel who's willing to go to a lion's den or his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know them best by those Babylonian names, don't we? But you remember them and how they confronted the king and he said, oh, king, you know, whether our God will save us. We know our God can save us and whether he saves us or not from this fire, we won't bow to your image. They were walking by faith in God. Whatever came, they were going to be pleased with it, accepting of it because they believed it was God's way in their walk. And the truth, the truth is that every walk is a walk of faith. It's just a matter of whose direction you're going to follow. A lot of voices call at us, don't they? Follow me. Listen to me. Hear what I have to say. The truth is that every walk is a walk of faith. It's just a matter of whose directions you're going to follow in that walk. And Paul challenges us here. But the walk in the Spirit. 
walking in the Spirit is directed by the true nature, the very Spirit of God. God is Spirit. We're following the very nature of God in this. This is not being told how to drive by someone in the car. It's not a backseat driver. It's not, it's not that voice in your ear like your mother-in-law. It's not that. It's not somebody sitting on your shoulders and better not do that, better not do that. It is that internal understanding and concept that you know this is the course to follow. Walk the walk. But why? Why? Why should we choose that? There are answers. Because walking in God gives. It gives to us. Walking in God gives to us. We know the choice is there to be made, and there needs to be a reason for the choice that you make. But most voices want you to be submissive to them to control you. Somebody says, follow me. Do what I do. Do what I tell you to do. But listen. Listen to what Jesus brings. As he spoke to those fishermen by the sea, follow me and I will make you to become. Your life will be bigger. Your life will be better. Follow me and I will make you to become. As he told them later in the 19th chapter of Matthew, he said, you haven't left anything behind but what you'll receive much more to receive, as he says there, a hundredfold. Your life will be multiplied larger, bigger, and more effective than you have ever imagined. Think about it. And even here in this passage, in these 11 verses, Paul lays out there are several things that God promised to give us. That walk in the Spirit brings a freedom to our life. A freedom from those limited chains of powerless systems. The law in particular comes to mind. It couldn't do it. And this frees you from the limitations of those laws. It frees you from the, the fulfilled requirements as if you've got to make it here, make it here, make it here, and you're okay. This is not a grading system. In which you, you make a certain percentage, you're okay. You get so many of them right, you're okay. That's not the point. There were fulfilled requirements. It was, as you described, the blood on the cross. The one who gave for us. And it's an opportunity of a better mind, he says. With clarity of direction. With understanding of purpose. And it is acceptance. You belong. We spend some time with that later. You're adopted as children. You're adopted. You become a part of a family whereby you have this, 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 this relationship with God and you can say, my father, my father. There is an acceptance because you are a part of the family and accepted in relationship with one another and there is within it that promise. That promise that is so amplified that promise for your future, that promise that has been laid out there for us all. It's the thing that makes us ask the question, well, then what shall we do? What shall I do? Part of that means, what does this mean for me? Remember as Peter pointed out what Jesus had done and what had happened to him and how God had raised him up, made him both Lord and Christ. The people standing there on that Pentecost are asking the question, Men and brethren, what are we supposed to do? What do we do with this? What does this mean for me and my life? Let me give you just five quick thoughts. Because we need to know that, don't we? We need to know what that calls on me to be and calls on me to do in my life. 
Oh, yes, there are, there are simple fundamentals that we can practice, but it's more than that. Because it means choosing. It means choosing daily to follow him. That's what, that's what Luke records for us in that great encounter. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. It's a choice every day of your life. It's not when you made, you may have made the primary choice so many years ago in your life. You can look back and say, I made that choice 40 some odd years ago in my life. Or more, or less, it doesn't matter. But did you make it this morning? Did you make it today? Are you going to continue to make it today? Is it a part of the decision-making of your life? It means choosing daily and through the day to follow him in your life. Secondly, it means you are keeping your eye on him. Go back to that Hebrews 12 matter. Go back to Hebrews 12 again. Looking to Jesus, following the trail that he blazed, following the place, the pioneer of our faith as one of the translations puts him. Follow him. Keep your eye on him. Looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher, the pioneer of our faith. It means looking to him. There's my source. There's my direction. There's the place that I can go. And it means ever correcting your course. Because there are things that are going to affect it. Let's say today's going to be windy. And it is. When is it not around here? You know, that's just the way it is. And when the wind is blowing... You've got to always work on correcting your course. Our lives are a little bit like a car, a little bit out of alignment, and you've constantly got to be pulling on that wheel. Not good for your tires, but that's what you have to do to stay in your lane. Constantly pulling on that wheel to keep it where it's supposed to go. It means keeping your eye on him, focused on him so that you know where you're going and keeping yourself ever corrected on him and making those corrections in your course on a daily basis, and it means making no excuse. I think about those to whom Jesus spoke, and the mention of them is pretty plain. He said, follow me. One had already said, I'll follow you anywhere. He says, now, remember. Remember, I don't even have a place to lay my head. We don't know what came of him. Another said, let me go home and bury my father. Another said, let me go back and see about folks at home. Tell them all goodbye. Let's, uh, we got to get a lot of kisses, get everything in order and everything there. I don't know exactly what all those mean, but it comes back to the idea you don't step forward and then look back. It means making no excuse. You make your choice and you live it. You make your choice and you be it. What shall we do? Make your choice and live for him, in him, from him. To the benefit of yourself as well. It means basically becoming the life that you live. You see, this is not just something we do for, for a few minutes on a Sunday morning. This is not just something that we, we straighten up and we get ourselves together and come into a place and, pre, and purport to be. This is what we are Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. This is what we are Monday morning and Monday night and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and even Saturday. This is what we are. It means becoming the life you live and purport to live. It is being who we are. When we talk about walking in the Spirit, we're talking about becoming who and what we can be to the very best of our opportunities and the very best of our ability. 
And sometimes we meet a few challenges along the way, and we're not sure exactly how to conduct ourselves. I was thinking about a men's training class that we had a, a lot of years ago when I was still a youngster. I think I was about 15, 16 years old. In this class, every year we had a men's training class on Monday nights. I don't know whether I trained much or not. You can say, boy, they didn't do a very good job, but you did that. <laughs> they tried. Bless their hearts, they tried. But we'd have training class. Oh, it's just basically men get together, we'd have coffee and cookies and so on, and then we'd sit and we'd have lessons and we'd talk about a lot of things, or they would somebody would be there to teach us. On this one, this one teaching us how to conduct ourselves in a in a good way. And part of the, the class, one of the evenings, was to go around the room of all the men who were present, and, and youngsters like me, to go around the room, and I had to be there because my father was the preacher, otherwise I wouldn't have done that, but anyway, I was there. We went around the room, and we were to state something that was a name and an occupation, like a cooper. Now, we don't know much about coopers today, but... And they just passed. They knew what Coopers were. And, and uh, my turn, Dyer. Well, dyers were once Dyers, I guess. You know, I think I'm still a Dyer, but that's the way it goes. You understand what I'm saying. And there are names that associate well with occupations. And we went around the room. And one of the men, one of the men in that class, one of the men in that class that evening caught my attention. I don't think he fully understood the concept of what was being said in the class he was not a highly educated man, but he was in the class, and it came around, and, and he said, uh, I've got one mechanic, and that's exactly what he was. He was a mechanic. A lot of people right there in that room used him, fixed their cars, took care of business for them, was a very good man. Anyway, he said mechanic. Well, the teacher in the class was a little bit taken back, and he said, well, that's a nice occupation, but it, it it's, doesn't translate into an activity. I got to tell you that evening, I was kind of embarrassed for him in a way. He seemed like he was, he was bothered, but I don't know that it affected him that much. But we went on with the class, and I think it was sometime in the night, maybe the next day or two, I thought, you know, I think we got it wrong, and he got it right. We got it wrong, he got it right. Because he used what he was, he used what he had to help take care of people, to deal with business to take care of needs that he had within his ability. Yes, he was a mechanic, and being a mechanic was a spiritual walk for him in a way. You understand what I'm saying? He was using it to take care of the business of people and serving people with the best he had available and taking care of them, fixing their cars, and sometimes doing it at his own expense. So yes, it's not a name that we use very often, but it was a, a very real occupation of life for him you see what we're talking about it is being who you are as you follow the Lord with what abilities you have to the very best of those abilities walk in the spirit God has given us a walk to walk and that's what we're talking about here walk the walk. For when it's all boiled down, the simple question to you and to me, to us, 
It's whether we will walk. This is live according to that spirit. And I think you understand that. So this morning we again sing a song of encouragement. A song of invitation, a song of opportunity, a song of reminder. As we sing this song, it is an invitation if someone needs to respond this morning. If you've never put the Savior on in baptism, we want you to consider that. We want you to understand that if you came with that intent, we'll share that moment with you today. Or at least to get the food for thought in your mind. And so if you need to respond today, the opportunity is yours. But let it be a reminder to each of us as well that we understand it is a challenge to us to not only begin the walk, but to walk the walk daily. If you need to respond this morning, why don't you do so while we stand, while we sing together.